0: or any way that I can make this a better experience for you, please don't hesitate to reach out. Hello, welcome to the Courtney Turner Podcast. I am here today with Brian Swenson. He is a political and corporate consultant. He has worked with many very familiar candidates like DeSantis, Caldwell, and Marco Rubio. And he is currently working with the American Gun Coalition. How are you doing today, Brian?
1: I'm doing great, I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on, appreciate it.
0: Thank you for being here. So, for my audience who may not know, tell them a little bit about how you got into corporate and political consultancy, and how it led you to what you're doing now.
1: So, uh, yeah, I'll, and I, I guess I'll, I'll back it up a little bit and start at the, yeah. at the very beginning. I um, um so I, I I didn't just start in uh, corporate and political doing corporate and political consulting work. I, I when I uh, you know, was in college, my first real political experience, you know, I, I became politically active uh in college right after 9-11 happened. And uh, that was really what got me motivated and involved in uh, paying a little bit more attention to America, geopolitics, uh, every, everything that's just kind of happening around the world. So I was paying a little bit more attention to to things and and then that led me on the path, you know, from just reading, consuming information, starting to argue with professors that are doing astronomy you know one of my classes was astronomy and my professor decided to talk about how bush is terrible and i'm just like this makes no sense to me <laughs> you know i'm in astronomy why are we talking about bush let's get get out of here guy you know so nope. that really just that's that started... for me
0: yep <laughs> i remember that in like so, chemistry class i'm like wait why are we talking about politics and why are we trashing candidates yeah <laughs> it's chemistry i get it go on
1: <laughs> right it didn't make sense, like so. So that 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 started me on my my trajectory, and then I had a uh, a fraternity brother uh, who wanted to run for student government, and he knew that I was someone uh, that was a mover in the organization and uh, had a lot of good relationships around uh, the university, and so he asked me to manage his campaign for student body president, and so I, I kind of I was like, sure, why the hell not? Uh, you know, I didn't know what the heck I was doing. But uh, he told me that he trusted me, and um, I had enough, you know, decent problem-solving skills. Uh, so I, I figured it out and, and did it, and that was really my first foray into campaign management. And uh, if you want to even count that, I mean, I kind of did. I, I kept doing political races on campus after that, uh, and then I started to, to volunteer for a state local state house uh, race. That got me, um, you know, really starting to go further down the rabbit hole of uh, campaign world. That right after I graduated from college, I, uh, you know, I, I interviewed for a, a, a company called the Leadership Institute, which is a conservative nonprofit based in Arlington, Virginia, and they uh, go on college campuses and start up conservative groups and organizations that push back against a lot of the rampant uh and crazy liberalism uh that uh we're now seeing take uh take shape today i mean it's it's actually kind of funny i i remember back when we were on uh doing our work uh at at the leadership institute in 2007 and 8 some of the crazy ideas that we were seeing on on college campuses you know like critical race theory and uh gender neutral neutral terms and all you know all these crazy pronouns like it's just it's just the political correctness is insane and and uh we were seeing everything that and now everyone's seeing in the rest of the country we were seeing that on college campuses in 2007 and 8 and <laughs> and so uh it takes about 10 years for a lot of these crazy dumb ideas to to take hold so um you know leadership institute was a great you know great opportunity had all kinds of fun stories uh i probably my favorite story was uh, the time i met the tree hippies uh, in, uh, that were in Berkeley, uh, Berkeley college, uh, had these hippies that lived in three trees on the college campus that they claimed was an Indian burial ground. And this Indian burial ground could not be used for the new athletic facility that they were trying to build. And it just sounded absolutely insane. Um, you know, it was no Indian burial ground, by the way, That's just what the left typically likes to use. Um, and, and then I met some code pink witches, which was also very fascinating. Uh, so that was my Berkeley experience, and I had all kinds of random things like that. When from my, from my days at the Leadership Institute, um, after LI I left, and I uh, started doing a little bit more of the campaign work in Florida, which led me to Governor Rick Scott. Um, at the time, he was just some. Businessman who decided to run uh, for, for office. And I was very fortunate to go in and help run, uh, uh, run the field program. And then after that, we won a very close race, uh, but we ended up winning. And uh, I worked for him at the political part, uh, the state party for several years. And then I did the uh, Louisiana uh, for Senator Bill Cassidy in 14, took out uh, Mary Landry, which was a huge, huge win for Republicans. That was, I believe, the year we retook the Senate. Um, And then uh, after that, man, it's Jacksonville mayor's race, uh, the Senate race here in Florida, uh, where I I got to uh, work for Senator Marco Rubio uh, during his Senate reelect. Um, And then after that, in 18, DeSantis, I I, I got brought on to help on DeSantis, and I was also running the uh, commissioner of agriculture race for Matt Caldwell. Um, And uh, then 20 was uh, President Trump. So between 18 and 20 is when I got into the political and corporate consulting world. Uh, I was less of a day-to-day staffer and um, uh, started to dive more into the general consulting. So I'm very fortunate. That's a long-winded explanation of all the experiences and everything, but I've had a lot of wonderful, um, very wonderful experiences and equal stories that I've picked up along the way.
0: Yeah, no, that that's a very impressive uh, resume. I'm curious, did you always have a conservative uh, leanings?
1: I would say my ideology tends to has, has also evolved. I, I, I was raised as a Republican didn't, you know, you didn't, you don't really know what that is when you're a kid. Sure. Um, and so once I got to college, I started to educate myself a little bit more on issues. And uh, uh, I definitely became a little bit more hardened on uh, what are the Republican beliefs, but really I, I, as a, you know, my time uh, working at the leadership Institute uh, really opened my eyes to a lot more. Uh, And I would say I've I've evolved my um, ideology, but I'm a lot more libertarian on a lot of issues. And uh, I've definitely uh, taken up a lot of other issues and causes that really I, I didn't really think much or care much about. Um, when I, you know, because it wasn't part of my upbringing, you know, like, I'll give you a great example, Second Amendment with guns, right? I, it never something that I was raised with, and uh, wasn't part of my upbringing, wasn't part of my culture. I I knew I supported people and their right to own guns. uh, But I just didn't, I didn't really have the any opportunity to educate, you know, to to be taught about it and so I educated myself about it a little bit more about the second amendment and, and now I'm, that's definitely become one of my one of my big big issues um so another another example you know because I just hate government and you know how government likes to control every single thing you know I've I've evolved my ideology a little bit more on on uh, on you know gay marriage because originally I was like no absolutely not like you know government shouldn't allow this to happen um I, my opinion of it now is I don't I don't really care so long as you don't mess with my faith you know and if you're not forcing if government's not forcing the Catholic Church to to do this I don't really care what people do you know government shouldn't even be involved in
0: it shouldn't be involved in marriage to begin with actually exactly
1: exactly yeah. I don't care what two people do whatever be happy you know live and let live that's that's kind of my my philosophy on life
0: yeah no it, uh, I think that that's the biggest uh, the, Discrepancy is the people who want to have everything be controlled and the people who want to be just left alone, <laughs> you know. Um Absolutely. And that kind of sums it up. Um ma- marriage is a whole, you know, different topic. I mean it certainly unpack that, but I think that, you know, it definitely the government should not be involved in marriage to begin with. Uh, yeah. and uh, you know, this fight to have it be called marriage, I think is also a whole different topic as well. Um, you know. But uh, so tell sure me a little bit about <laughs> what you say?
1: I said, sure, it sure is. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so tell me a little bit about working in Florida. I think that there has definitely been, you know, that Florida's kind of leading the way in many respects um, politically. And uh, we're, yeah, so tell me a little bit about your experience working in Florida, what you think, how it's affecting uh, the federal political. Milieu and what we think we can see in the future.
1: Right. So Florida, uh, um, it, you know, Florida actually is is a really fascinating state because uh, I I believe Florida uh, is a microcosm of the United States because in Florida you have people that have settled here from everywhere. You have every single ethnicity, every single um, every single you know experience country. I mean, there's just so much diversity here in the state. Um, but it's also a place where you have folks that settle from certain regions in certain regions and so great example Southwest Florida has a very very big Midwest um, uh, influence um, Miami some joke it's North Cuba um, but you know I'm sure the Venezuelans and Colombians would argue with you on that Um <laughs> Miami is, uh, truly the melting pot of the, the Americas. Uh, and it's, it's, uh, one of my favorite places. That's actually where I live. I absolutely love living in Miami because of the diversity and all of the different people, uh, that we have, uh, living here. So, um, I, I love it. Uh, but Miami is a very special place. Broward and Palm Beach, you have a lot of New Yorkers, uh, Orlando, a lot of Puerto Ricans, but then there's also an Indian American population that, uh, you know, lives along I-4 quarter, which is uh, Orlando to uh, to Tampa. Um, and then you have the Panhandle. Panhandle is also special. Uh, you know, panhandles like Southern Alabama and, uh, and uh, a little bit of Georgia. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, Florida, Florida has a lot of influences from everywhere. There's a lot of Californians right now moving to Tampa and Orlando area. Uh, so hopefully they won't be bringing their, their terrible voting habits with them. Uh, But Florida, Florida, Florida really is a a wonderful state and and if you want to play in the state and and run in races you really need to uh, educate yourselves on uh, different ways of messaging because you're not going to come in with a cookie cutter approach um, and uh, use the same message for everybody that's just not going to work, Uh, some issues and things matter differently to people. And so that's Florida really taught me the importance of, of being able to have a com- communication and engagement with people um, and uh, in, in such a way that is more impactful and meaningful to them. And, and I'd also say uh, Florida has done a phenomenal job in the political consultant class, really. Uh, I would say they've done a phenomenal job of working within the Hispanic community where Originally in the 2000s, the Republicans were viewed as the anti Hispanic, you know, uh, which has never been the case. That's just the media spin. And, uh, And so, but Florida, we've always done a really good job of messaging to Hispanics, and that's because of the relationship, I think, that uh, the Republican Party has with the, uh, uh, the Cuban people. Uh, a lot of folks immigrated from Cuba in, in Miami and, and joined up with uh, the Republican Party, and they've helped definitely shape and influence the Republican Party in a very, very great way here. Um, and... So I think they really helped the Florida Republicans figure out the importance of messaging and and uh, working with them, and uh, that then expanded to the rest of the nation because then those Republicans helped teach other Republicans, and you know the the party has evolved a lot better and uh, really spoken to a lot of important you know, groups whose, whose interests have always been aligned with ours. It's, it's, that's the frustrating thing is, um, you know, we don't necessarily always have the best communicators, uh, but we have the best message and, and, and uh, really just goals. I mean, limit government, get it the hell out of your life. Uh, that's yeah. And I, think, I think,
0: especially, uh, you know, the Hispanic community, the values are so aligned, you know,
1: absolutely, so, yeah, absolutely. So yeah, Florida, you know, the other unique thing that Florida, we do really well is, uh, we we do voter turnout really well, voter engagement, and uh, we build a very aggressive field program that is is very heavy on door to door banking. Person-to-person engagement, which is really the most important and most effective way to turn out a voter. Um, You're more likely, you know, if someone's at your doorstep talking to you, you're more likely to um, be moved on on an issue if you're undecided than if you're getting that same exact message sent to you in a mailbox or on a TV ad. So we've we've done a phenomenal job of of building the ground game and um, and uh, and and putting. uh, an emphasis on doing it the right way, uh, and uh, and that's why I think Florida has always been the outlier. You know, great example. Two thousand eighteen uh, was a not a good year for Republicans, and uh, but in two thousand eighteen there was the blue wave that hit a lot of states around the country, but there was a giant red wall that was put up around Florida uh, that prevented that wave to hit us. Uh, you know, Governor Scott uh, became Senator Scott. Uh, Ron, you know, Congressman Ron DeSantis became governor Ron DeSantis uh and uh, those were races that were won by I think Rick Scott was 11,000 votes which was a 0.01 percent um and uh and and governor uh DeSantis uh I think his total margin of victory was 35 40 42 something like that I don't remember off the top of my head but it was very you know very close within the margin of uh, a potential recount wow so what- we Mm-hmm. We do a really good emphasis on on ground game in, in 2018. We, we hit, uh, I think we hit um, all the target or if not all, most of the target homes three or four times, which is really good with door-to-door.
0: Wow. Yeah, I, I mean, all politics are local and I think people really do forget that. Um, and that's so important. That's really seems to be what you're driving home and how effective uh, that was in Florida to really make it local and personal. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. So what do you think that we're going to see in uh, certainly 2022 is coming right around the corner <laughs> and then 2024?
1: Uh, I think 22, you're going to see a bloodbath on the Democrats. I think it's not going to be pretty uh, for them. Uh, and uh, there's, gonna, there's a reckoning coming. And uh, I think all of the years of their lies, slandering President Trump, creating lies, um, you know in in some instances, you know stealing uh, you know stealing on an, an election or two along the way, you know the Democrats have uh, overplayed their hand and I think the American people are sick of it uh, and and some of the best things that I can point to for you are, the evolving polling numbers, right? So the Hispanic community nationally has started to shift away from the Democrats, uh, where they had a pretty, you know, good grasp on on them. And uh, I saw a poll the other day that now 40% of Hispanics now identify uh, or plan to vote uh, with Republicans um, in uh, in Virginia. That was a key demographic group that helped Yunkin just win in Virginia. Um, mm-hmm. A Republican took out uh, a, a former governor. Of the state of Virginia, and a lot of that was because of the Hispanic engagement that was done uh, by the Youngkin campaign, and they ran a very good campaign, uh, which uh, you know definitely set some. That that was the first, I think, domino to fall for uh, what we're going to see the next year, um, and and I don't think it's going to be pretty for the Democrats. I think you're going to see safe Senate seats uh, that will be a loss for them.
0: Wow. Um. So before we get to 2024, cause I'm very curious your thoughts on that as well. Um, but before we get to that, you were talking a little bit about the messaging uh, and I know Republicans really have been kind of notoriously horrendous at messaging. And I'm curious your thoughts on why and what they do wrong.
1: I, um, I, I wouldn't say they've been uh, horrendous at messaging. I think you have some folks that are phenomenal at messaging and other folks that are not. And, uh, and a lot of that, you know, that always goes to the, you know, you, you do a better job of nominating and picking people in the primaries that are effective communicators. Um, maybe some of them are not always the most effective, but they're really good conservatives. So, you know, obviously, you, you know, I've, I've always subscribed uh, to the, um, uh, you know, I think it started with Barry Goldwater, but uh, the, the Goldwater doctrine, which is you elect most uh uh, conservative um, to office uh, as, a, as a Republican. So you try to push through the most conservative person for the general election. Um, and I've always believed in that. Uh, you know, sometimes we have some folks that say some crazy things, and their asses aren't going to get out of the general election, and uh, which is, is certainly not helpful. Um, I'd say one of the most effective communicators we've had um, in the Republican Party, who I believe has actually helped shape and change a lot of how the party has, has spoken, is, is Senator Marco Rubio. Um, you know, he's been one of our most effective communicators since uh, President Reagan, um, and uh, uh, he's incredibly eloquent, very, very, you know, quick, very fast, uh, he, and he knows how to navigate uh, all kinds of different sticky issues. So I, it's, it, it's, it was fascinating to work with him and learn from him and see you know his opinion on things and uh, and and how to communicate that and and he's very very great especially on a lot of international issues that matter to the international, you know a lot of the folks here in Miami, um, you know there's a lot of Nicaraguans and he took very hard stances on Nicaragua. Uh, there's of course Cuba and you know all the different uh, countries around uh, Central and South America. Senator Rubio is very engaged in and and he talks about those issues and he knows about them, which which helps you know, with uh, building that relationship with those voters.
0: Yeah, totally. I, I'm curious, you work a little bit with the agriculture and we are, our foundation as a country is agrarian, you know, and we've strayed very far from that, but um, there's a lot of policies that have been instrumental in straying away from that. Um, so I'm curious your experience in that arena and your thoughts on it.
1: Yeah. So I, um, I mean, my, my experience with, uh, doing the, the commissioner of agriculture race and I don't have an agri- I didn't have an agriculture background. Sure. I, uh, I was just a political guy that, you know, was brought in to, uh, help win a race. And, uh, we, we definitely had some challenges at race. We, uh, we were, uh, we, we, we ended up winning, uh, by a much larger margin than expected on the primary. And it was a very, very contentious primary. Um, but we we were the most conservative candidate in the race, and we ran a very aggressive grassroots campaign that went to every single small town and big town in Miami, uh, from from Miami all the way up to the Panhandle, and uh, and we hit um, I think it was a hundred thousand miles, or just south of a uh, hundred thousand miles, uh, driving the state of Florida over the course of a year and a half, uh, which which is crazy, um, and uh, we got every endorsement from big town to small town, from, you know, city council to sheriff. And so, I mean, we truly ran a grassroots uh, driven campaign and we even did a thing that's kind of almost like dirty jobs where our, you know, our, uh, where Matt uh, would, would go to, uh, you know, do a day of work with uh, somebody in the agriculture community and we'd film it and then put out a video uh, showing, and it's trying to expose and teach people about how much is involved in uh, the orbit of uh, the um, uh, commissioner of agriculture in Florida. So that was a, a pretty unique experience, um, you know. And and Matt also was is a very very principled conservative. And uh, that year, you know, was a very very tough year also for for Republicans in Florida because that was uh, when when Parkland happened. And so uh, Matt Matt took a very you know took a very you know uh, hard line and and the correct uh, stance and and not supporting. Uh, he supported some of it, but he didn't support, um, he supported some of the changes, but, but he just didn't agree with the entire package, the way it was structured, which, you know, has now passed some of the biggest red flag gun laws, uh, in the country here in the state of Florida. Uh, and in addition to that, it, 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 prevented 18 year olds from being able to buy, um, you know, a shotgun or a rifle or whatever, you know, so you, you now have 18 year old females, 19 year old females, you know, uh not able to buy a firearm uh to defend themselves um you have uh people who can go and fight for their country uh and uh you know and 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 join the America's military at the age of 17 or 18 right but they can't buy a firearm in the state of Florida yeah you know, that's just uh, that's just wrong we so now in in the state of Florida you can vote you can serve in the military at 18 um, but you can't buy a firearm you know, you can't have a beer. You can't buy cigarettes. So uh, it it's just, you know, you either move the voting age at that point up to 21, or you bring everybody back down to 18, which I support. But yeah, you know, so there was there were certain some things that you know Matt didn't support, and that became a wedge issue um, in in that race that was used against him by uh, Nikki Fried, uh, who ended up squeaking out a win on us by about 4,000 votes, 5,000 votes. So, and and that was another fascinating one because during the recount phase. Uh, Broward and Palm Beach did what they always do every single election cycle, and uh, they stopped releasing votes, and they started to trickle out votes, and you know that that uh, you know leads a lot of folks to believe that they're going to only trickle out enough votes, you know, so that they know what they need to release to win, right. and you know that's how those conspiracy theories or or truths happen, and it's because of incompetency or corruption. You know, it's just sometimes it's just impossible or to really figure out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. both of them were fired, um, you know, by Governor Scott and then uh, Rhonda Santa, Susan Booker and and, uh, uh, Brenda Snipes. And and they were both removed from their positions of supervisors of elections, uh, rightfully so because of the gross uh, incompetency um, uh, that that happened during that election. And, you know, ironically, uh, in 2020, uh, with appointed competent leadership in those counties, uh, Florida was not a problem. Uh, we actually had results out uh, faster than everybody else, nope. um, and uh, we didn't have any real real issues that we've traditionally had um, in uh, other years. So,
0: yeah. And what what do you attribute that to mostly?
1: Adults running uh, <laughs> elections. You know, <laughs> we and, and we also had a very very well run uh, uh, poll watching. Um, an election monitoring system in the state of Florida and, and and frankly there was a lot of things we tried to encourage others to take on and do in other states and, and again Florida ever since the 2000 recounts with george Bush yeah. um, Florida has just had it ingrained in our political class you know our consultant class you know that you need to get prepared for recounts every single race every single election and and because of that, culture that has been trained into a lot of folks like myself and other operatives like me that I've come in with, you know, because I came in, you know, uh, to the process right as a lot of the guys from the Jeb and George era um, were, you know, rising to, you know, either continue to run things or they were, you know, they're on their way out because a number of them have been retiring. And uh, and so a, a lot of these, these guys, you know, really ingrained the importance of that to us. and And we have, Carried that tradition forward of making sure that you have a well-run um, election and poll monitoring, uh, you know, operation that's built. And so, Florida, Florida's also had the most, uh, you know, uh, the, we've had the most experience in absentee ballots or vote, vote by mail ballots, as as you call them, um, uh, more so than other states. Uh, and and our election laws are also pretty good because we've learned from mistakes uh, we've had about 30 years of absent of vote by mail ballots that have been sent and so you have 30 years of making uh, legislation and policy uh, to make sure that that is the most effective and well you know fair and you know every legal voter is able to vote um, in the way that they want um, while you also make sure that you uh, diminish any opportunities for fraud.
0: Yeah accountability goes a long way.
1: It's a <laughs> concept.
0: Yeah, right, right. Um, So I was hearing that DeSantis recently put in uh, a, it's not a National Guard, it's right, that's, that's what some people are calling it, but it's a kind of like a militia, but he's running it.
1: Yeah, I mean, he just reempowered the, the Florida militia. That's, I mean, I, I'm not, I'm not the legislative expert on this one. Uh, I just know what I read, but what, right. what, he, what he has done, and several other states have been doing, is, uh, m- you know, making sure we move to a place where um, states have their rights and uh, they exercise those rights. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's a very good check and balance on um, the lawlessness and, uh, you know, extreme policies that the uh, Biden administration is uh, promoting and encouraging. I mean, uh, to force soldiers to take a vaccine and threaten their well-being and lives. And, you know, it's just, uh, this is, I believe, a reaction to that because the Biden administration, I think they threatened Oklahoma with their National Guard status um, by, you know, uh, should they not uh embrace their v- vaccine mandate um and and we've seen now how that's worked out so the the automatic reaction to that was several other states then decided to reactivate their militia um and uh that's that's courtesy of the the biden administration so yeah yeah so
0: that was going to be my next question is uh you know what do you think the hopes of uh, personally, I think that the saving grace that this country has is federalism—the fact that you know we have a Tenth Amendment and the states can fight for individual rights. And if you don't like the policies and the laws that are implemented, you can go somewhere else. Um, what do you, the current administration is really trying to fight against—that you know—I think our—you uh, know—the secretary recently said that the states don't have any uh, authority. You know, Tenth Amendment doesn't exist. Oh, yeah. So, what what are your thoughts on that, and uh, how uh, effective it is it going to be to be able to enforce that, so that we can?
1: Well, I think these, I mean, I think these people in DC are maniacs. Um, they're 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 just absolutely insane, uh, and and completely out of touch with America. Uh, they don't know what the hell they're doing. Uh, they they. Are, are further dividing our country instead of uniting it and uh it, it's created a, just a very very ugly situation where we're not even paying attention to the most important things that are going on in the world um you know like china and what china is doing you know you, you have uh some folks that are thinking that between now and new year's uh china's going to try to uh you know invade taiwan um and uh because the timing's right and everybody is going to be focused on new year's and christmas and you know the american media you know a lot of them on the left are they're bought and sold by by china as well you know they're those guys are corrupt um you know you just saw with cnn uh the last week uh how cuomo got fired for helping his brother Um, And CNN was probably aware of it and, uh, but they finally, you know, it finally got there and so they had to let him go. But now he's threatening to sue them if he doesn't get paid his full money, which I'm sure that means he's going to expose that they were okay with him doing this because they were protecting Cuomo, uh, his brother Governor Cuomo. You know, it's just uh, that uh, these guys are just hypocrites. They care about one thing when it's a Republican, but then they don't talk about it when it's a Democrat. It's just it's just absolutely absurd. I mean, that'd be really cool if CNN actually covered uh, Hunter Biden and his shenanigans. That'd be, you know, yeah, that, he's crazy. actually he's actually done something wrong, and they would always go after Don Jr. and the guy did nothing wrong the family never did anything wrong they would manufacture stories and they wouldn't ever fix them when they were proven to be false and and, and, you know and it's just it's just crazy to me that uh americans are you know okay with this double standard um and uh and just don't care um you know i don't i don't know if it's stupidity uh, ignorance, um, you know, or they just don't care. Um, you know, it's the
0: brainwashing. I think that that's the, the social engineering has been, uh, laid the groundwork for that has been laid for so long that I think a lot of people are, you know, pretty seeped in. Absolutely. But that's part of it. Yeah. Um, the, you brought up China and there's also Russia who's also making moves with Ukraine and that's, uh, yeah. So the, the geopolitical sphere, so the, uh, as you were saying before about, you know, incompetence and, you know, you never want to attribute malice to what could just be pure ineptitude, right? But then there's right. the other side of it that, you know, they're not for America and these things are, you know, at play and they're aware that they're at play and they're not taking the uh, you know, precautions to protect and preserve America, which we need. Yeah, <laughs> So so tell me your thoughts about 2024.
1: I think it's going to be a very, uh, you know, <laughs> uh, is Biden even going to be uh, president then? Is Kamala? You don't even know. It's such a shit show uh, in uh, the Biden administration. It really is. It's just, you know, Kamala's staff is leaving in, in mass right now. And uh, Biden falls asleep in meetings with, uh, you know, uh, other world leaders and uh, reads lines on a teleprompter um, that clearly are not meant to be read, um, like end statement. You know, like uh, <laughs> it's just yeah. like it, it's like you can't make this up. And you know, no one talks about it in the media. If Donald Trump did anything like remotely close to what Biden's been doing, I mean, they would be questioning his mental health. which they did anyway.
0: And they did. They did anyway
1: they did when he'd wear a, a, a tie color that was off you know it's like it's just these guys today <laughs> well, I,
0: mean? I just
1: don't I just don't know if uh, you know you're going to have biden and kamala uh, as our option for the democrats in in 2020 i i, I or 22 uh, rather 24 god We're good. We're
0: good.
1: 24 um so um i i don't know we'll see i but 22 is going to be a bloodbath um uh, for Democrats, that's for sure.
0: You think so? You you think that they, e- even with all of the, uh, you know, potential ineptitude or possible more nefarious uh, actin- actions in play?
1: I think 22 will be a bloodbath for Democrats, 100%. Um, I, I think it will. Uh, you can only get away with so much for so long. Um, and then I think 24 um, you will what you will see is uh, a because there will be a Republican House and Senate, the media will spin the narrative and blame all the problems on the Republican House and Senate, but not Biden. And and, and so you'll actually have to have another you know real street fight that time. But I think enough Americans would have woken up um, where. You know, it, it won't be as much of a street fight for votes. And by street fight, I don't mean violence. I mean you're gonna you're gonna have to build a very aggressive, you know, ground operation. It's not like, you know, and this year you do too. My attitude is always you, you don't take any vote for granted. You work at, at just as hard uh, if you are up or down. And uh, and I I feel like you know this this year we're going to do really really well as a party. Um, and that's not because you know I think it's just because of the history of what the democrats polling numbers are looking like and you know what an incumbency of of a biden presidency and the inaction and you know just general failures of the democratic party they're going to cause a a a big republican gain i think you're going to see gains that you've never seen before uh i think it's going to be uh historic um and and it's also going to really be in a lot of the local areas too
0: Well, politics local, so that's good. We need the ground, the grassroots, ground up.
1: Yeah, so that's why I think twenty four is is you know I think it will be a good year for Republicans as well. I think they're they certainly have learned a lot of the lessons, um, you know, of what you know uh, what what we can do better from two thousand and twenty. I think they've definitely learned those lessons, such as building a uh, an election integrity program. Uh, you have a great example like the RNC, for for example, they've actually launched an election integrity program, which they've never had before, uh, which which shows that the RNC is actually, you know, taking um, this, which traditionally has been a campaign d- driven and centered operation. Mm-hmm. Um, and and so the RNC is now putting forth resources to make sure that it's it becomes an established and well oiled machine uh, for uh, the 24 election cycle.
0: That's great. That's so great to hear. Yeah. Um, what are your thoughts about, uh, so we don't know what will happen with Biden Kamala. What do you think will happen if they are not the, uh, candidates and what do you think about, uh, on the Republican side?
1: Do you... well if Trump, if Trump, want, you know, decides to run, I mean, we'll know, we'll know after the 22 election cycle, what Trump's plans are, uh, mm-hmm. hands down. Sure. We'll know. Uh, but, uh, if Trump decides to run, um, then only the, uh, you know, rhino Republicans in the world, you know, of the world will decide to run against him for Lord knows what reason, they'll just get their asses kicked. Um, but, you know, if Trump decides not to run, you have a, a, a number of uh, you know wonderful candidates, and and we have a a a, a, a much deeper bench than the Democrats do uh, mm-hmm. of potential uh, folks um, that could run for president.
0: Do you have any thoughts uh, on who those might be? I know there's a lot of noise about DeSantis. I'm curious your thoughts if he were to what would happen with Florida.
1: Well, my, here's my position on Florida. Okay. I, our, our most recent, you know, America's, uh, you know, the last Republican president, uh, uh, you know, Donald Trump is a Florida resident. And right. also from Florida, we have a, a, a man named Senator Rick Scott, who mm-hmm. was a phenomenal governor for the state and led us out of an economic downturn um, and was one of the highest, uh, you know, uh, one of the states with the lowest unemployment rate because of uh, the... Um, leadership and business knowledge that he has and and you know and he's doing a a great job in the senate um and we have senator marco rubio who uh was also speaker of the house in florida and he passed a lot of great conservative legislation in the state of florida um and uh you know really led a lot of the you know revolution uh on uh conservatism in in the state house and 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 uh And he is a an incredible communicator. He's done a great job uh, in the Senate. He's probably one of the most, um, you know, uh, knowledgeable uh, people in the foreign uh, in the foreign affairs uh, lane. Uh, The guy knows everything that's going on around uh, around the world uh, is absolutely brilliant and a phenomenal messenger. And then we have Governor Ron DeSantis, who uh, has done a, a great job here in the state of Florida. I mean, he's proven to everybody that you have, um, you know, you don't need to uh, put mask mandates and close down schools and do all these things. You know, right now, the state of Florida is the lowest, uh, the lowest uh, rate of corona cases yep. uh, per capita. Um, yet the state of Vermont, I think, with a vaccination rate of 90% or something close to that, has uh, the highest or second highest uh, uh, amount of uh, covid cases in the country. Um, you know, I, I think there's a lot that we still don't know about covid Um, and and so, you know, the democrats like to say that the party of science, but they haven't been really, you know, champion science lately. It's more about fear and feelings than uh, than uh, science and facts. I mean, you know, uh, and, and, and you know, it's a, it's corona has definitely brought in a lot of brought out a lot from folks, you know, positive and negative. We've seen great stories of people helping others, but, you know, you've also seen some of the ugliness, and, you know, uh, no side's perfect, but uh, the Democrats certainly have overplayed their hand on that, and they've used fear and targeted people um, that are their political enemies, and, you know, uh, you have some states that still have restrictions on churches. I mean, it's just it's just nuts, um, you know, that these people on the left are, are just, they're absolute socialists and uh, they want complete control. And so, you know, it's, it's just, it's scary times uh, with, with what they're trying to accomplish. But I I think the American people will uh, have begun to see through that. And, um, you know, but anywho, but yeah, DeSantis, uh, you know, I, I think he also would be another great Option from Florida, so we have we have four great uh, potential options from the state of Florida, um, uh, all of whom I've had an opportunity to work for. Uh, so uh, I think uh, Florida has obviously led the nation in many things, um, uh, and. Uh, I, I would have zero problem if any of them decided to run for president. So, um, but outside of the state of Florida, uh, I, I think uh, we've got great, great potential with folks like uh, Senator Tim Scott. Love Tim Scott. I've met him before. I think he's awesome. Dude's a rock star. Um, very, very good man. Humble man. Um, amazing story. Um, we've, we've got so Tim. Tim could be another uh, Senator. Tim Scott could be a phenomenal option uh and uh you've got uh man you've got christy gnome whose name i've heard you've had uh you you know you've got um uh the the uh, yunkin from virginia whose name i'm hearing floated in some circles you know i i i think first of all it's also really too soon to speculate on it uh you can do it it's fun right right. Uh, i i don't you know you don't know what's going to happen tomorrow
0: No, we, we, and in this milieu, we really don't in the current guess. Yeah, definitely. So you talked you had said earlier about, you know, the fight of the American people, and you said you didn't mean, uh, you know, violently, you know, more of a political battle and a battle of ideas, you know, is what I'm, I'm guessing you're alluding to. Uh, There is a lot of talk, though, that, you know, America is very divided, and that they are intentionally trying to fuel that fire. What, what do you think, about that, do you think it will lead to anything that is kinetic, or do you think we're going to see just more of this kind of uh, political battle, media battle, battle of ideas?
1: I, I, um, well, look, I mean, the Democrats uh, were all about the peaceful protest uh, that took place in multiple cities that burned down countless blocks and ruined countless businesses and uh, uh, have shattered the lives of. Uh, um, you know, thousands of people um, and uh, they were okay with these peaceful protests um, mm-hmm. with so much violence, uh, violence and death. I mean, I remember seeing a video of a guy um, getting beaten to death with a skateboard. Um, and so you have this, you know, the left that is okay with that, but they're, they're you know, they, they think, um, you know, what happened on January 6th, which I, which I don't, you know, agree with uh, a lot of the violence and you know things that took place, I you know I I I I am all about protesting and everything like that. Um, and I think there's a lot more to January 6th than people want to talk about uh, oh, yeah. uh, or acknowledge. There's, and I, I,
0: a lot, I mean, we're, a lot is coming to the surface about how much was inside and how much the FBI already knew. Um, you know, a lot of this was planned and staged and set up, and that's not there's there's, there,
1: there's there's I, Absolutely. There's that element, um, you know, and you have agitators, you had Antifa uh, that were on the ground. I mean, you had people that were pictured in Antifa rallies uh, in Antifa, you know, t-shirts or gear, you had them inside the Capitol. Um, and how the hell did they get in there before everybody else? I, I mean, there, there's a lot of questions that need to be asked. And and honestly, like I, I just want the truth. And I just want, you know, right. I just want things to be consistent and the standard to be consistent. The so people
0: deserve the truth, don't they? The truth should always matter.
1: They do, yeah. but but we you only get half-baked truths or manipulated truths when it's one side and you get complete lies on the other, you know. And and so if if the Democrats want to hold, you know, people on January 6th accountable, they 100 percent should hold people to that same exact standard uh, for anything that happened uh, uh, with, the, with any of the riots that happened uh, you know, over the uh, 20, uh, 2020 election season you know, with, the black, uh, with the BLM riots and you know, that Antifa ended up hijacking. Um, so I, I think if you're going to be pissed about one side, you got to be consistent and, and uh, hold people to the same standard. I mean, hell, you had an entire police precinct Uh, get raided and I think it was I forget if it was Minnesota or uh, Oregon I don't remember where but there I mean a a police precinct was abandoned and I think it was burned to the ground or you know it was you know raided and you know by by Antifa and they took it over uh, you know and then you had federal courthouses that uh, had some vandalism and things done that you know I mean so it's a federal building at the capitol but you know these other federal buildings aren't Held to the same standard, you know. Uh, it, it, I don't know that stuff. Just really, you know, the double standard thing. I mean, and it just just bothers me. You don't care about uh, the dissension that's taking place on one side, but the other, you do. Uh, so I, I, I'm i all about consistency. That's I just want consistency across the board on everybody.
0: Yeah. Whether right whether there. the standard
1: is whether you're keeping people in jail longer than they deserve or um, or or you're keeping the sentences short, I want consistency, you know, um, and, and, you know, to, to, uh, some of the points of, you know, that, that BLM have made, um, and, and I'd, I'd rather, you know, I'd say just members of the African-American community. I mean, they've raised a lot of great points, uh, that there are in fact injustices still. I mean, you know, that happens hundred percent. It happens, you know, you're, you're an asshole if you deny it. And, uh, I, 100% believe that there are injustices that happen. I think there are double standards. I, you know, you look at some prison sentences that get get handed out. You know, there might be weaker for you know a white dude uh, than a black dude. Um, and so I I think that that is that is a an issue and a problem, and it, it certainly should be addressed. But I think the way that it's been addressed and handled and approached. Uh, doesn't help solve the problem. Um, you know,
0: I'll tell you, critical race theory is not the solution.
1: <laughs> sure as hell isn't, you know. And and what's also frustrating to me is, you know, President Trump passed the most um, you know, aggressive and uh impactful criminal justice reform, right? If if he was a, a Democrat, he would they would have been writing about him in the history books for the next 50 years. Um, but President Trump passed a more pro-criminal uh, justice reform legislation, a larger package than Obama did, the first Black president, than Joe Biden has ever gotten past with, you know, his, what, 50 years uh, in D.C., 40 years, I can't even keep up, um, you know, he's the reason why we should have term limits, so, <laughs> yeah,
0: right, exactly. it's, just,
1: it's just, it's just maddening to me, you know, and I think, I think a lot of people in, in, in the African-American community have, have hundred percent been Treated unfairly, and I, 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 I sympathize, and I, I, I want to learn, you know, more, so I can help, you know, w- make those changes that I can. Um, and and I've, I've I've always listened, uh, and you know, uh, and what what's fascinating to me, one of the things that I'm learning a lot about now right now is uh, uh how uh, one of the fastest growing blocks of uh, first time gun buyers uh, in America are African American. Uh, yeah. And, they are. Uh, they're doing it because they can't keep their communities safe. They want to protect their, themselves. Um, these crazy moron white liberals want to, uh, you know, get rid of police forces. Um, you know, they want to defund the, police the police. And Let
0: the social workers handle it.
1: Yeah, I mean, and and that's only going to have an impact on large cities, which you know, inner city communities, and you know, it's it's not going to help them. You know, but 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 the flip side of it is sometimes in some of these communities, when they call the police for help cops aren't going to show up for 40 minutes, 50 minutes, maybe even if at all, because it's not a serious enough case for them, or they're just too busy. And, and so you have, um, you know, how the heck are these folks going to be able to defend themselves other than with a firearm? They can't, they need access to firearms. And some cities um, pass gun control, control laws um, uh, out of, out of, uh, you know, with racist intentions um that's where a lot of gun control laws have originated from you know if you you want you know one of the best people that's out there speaking about it is uh maj Teray and uh Koleon Noir those guys uh you know folks can go check out their podcasts and uh you know youtube videos and if they want you know folks that are more experts and seasoned on the issue uh than i am i'm still learning um okay. so uh but you know 100% a lot of these uh gun laws that have been passed uh, have uh, you know by the left um, uh, uh, have uh, targeted uh, certain specific communities, um, uh, but you know they they want everyone to not own guns because they want uh, at the end of the day, you know the people that they like uh, to have guns. You know the you, know, you look at history. If you look at history, any country that has ever tried to go after firearms, you know what was the next step? Cuba took everyone's firearms. <laughs> Nazi Germany took everyone's firearms. You know, so it's like uh, fascists want control. And,
0: you know, yeah, because, uh, you know, they, when uh, people, what what is it, when people uh, fear the government, that's tyranny. When the government fears the people, that's freedom, you know? Amen. Amen. (laughs) Yeah. So that's the reason. And the reason they didn't give uh, slaves initially Uh, you know, access to the Second Amendment was because they knew that that's how you keep them slaves. If they had been armed, they they could rebel, right? You know, when somebody's got a gun to their head, you know, you think twice about uh, your rebellious state, you know?
1: Yeah, and I think that's, you know, that's a great opportunity, too, to talk about, you know, one of my most recent projects, which is uh, uh, Big Daddy Unlimited, is, uh, uh, you know, uh, one of the fastest growing uh firearm companies that's, that's out there um bigdaddyunlimited.com uh, uh they are uh, great great company they're they're growing at an inf- incredibly uh fast pace uh and uh they really are revolutionizing and uh uh updating uh i would say uh the the firearm industry the firearm industry as a whole is, uh, you know, is, is antiquated in how they do business. Um, and uh, they, they certainly could use a little bit of a refresh. Uh, and, and so uh, Big Daddy is, uh, I'd say they're a tech firm uh, that actually uh, happens to sell firearms, ammo, soft goods, you know, you know, you name it, they can, they can get it. Um, and so uh, Big Daddy, uh, the folks at, at Big Daddy, Tony and Sherry McKnight, I've actually been fortunate to know them over the years. Uh, and uh, they, they reached out to me back in, I believe, June or July, uh, or May, actually, it was May, to come in and, and uh, uh, help them launch uh, a, a group that has been Sherry and Tony's passion project, which is called the American Gun Coalition. And, and basically, the American Gun Coalition is... Uh, a a group that's going to be coming in and really trying to identify and and find lanes and opportunity where a lot of the established players are either too busy or just may not have the resources or may not even be thinking, you know, uh, you know, in, in places that they can, they can actually be be focusing in on and and doing um and and i'm coming in as well as everybody else and we've really taken a lot of what tony and sherry's story is Mm -hmm. um which is they were first-time gun buyers uh back in i believe 2014 or 13 i don't remember when that uh when when there was a shooting but they heard about this crazy thing called stealing your people you know uh gun control and taking taking firearms and they wanted to exercise their second amendment right and they went out and bought a gun which happened to lead to then i believe it was 19 guns and uh (laughs) then they decided you know we have a we have friends that want guns and so let's let's get an ffl license and sell people guns and that led them on the path to then having a gun store um and so they uh you know they've they've they, they truly have been living the american dream in that they started with something simple you know buying a couple guns and now they're changing how you do business uh in the firearm industry um and and so that's that's something that you know uh, I, I think is amazing and very, you know, it's a very American experience and story because, you know, you can, you can just come up with an idea and make it happen. And with a lot of sweat equity, you can get it done. And, uh, and so, and they're, and they're doing just that. Um, but one of their passion projects is, uh, in launching American gun coalition, which, like I said, we're going to carve out a lane. We're going to identify places where we can help, um, the second amendment movement, um, you know, expand with, I'd say first-time gun buyers, you know, engaging with them and involving them in the movement, uh, in the pro-Second Amendment movement uh, is uh, definitely going to be something that we're going to be focusing in on and, and working on. Um, a- anybody that's purchased a gun for the first time, and I'll tell my story on that, I, I purchased, you know, when I first got into firearms, I had to educate myself and I had to teach myself. Uh, there wasn't just a, you know, uh, uh the years of me going off hunting, or you know, utilizing using firearms with my family, like I, I didn't have that experience, so I, I had to teach myself and ask some questions. And sometimes in the industry, you know, you got folks that are, you know, your tactical experts, and you know, they're just like they kind of scoff at you uh, if you're asking dumb questions, which you know, no question's a dumb question. Um, you know, the only dumb question is one you don't ask, and, and yeah. so especially when people, you're dealing
0: with a weapon, right?
1: <laughs> exactly, and and so some folks in the, you know their experience is similar to that, and you know the industry is intimidating if you don't come from it, and uh, and so we want to be able to engage uh, with folks and help uh, teach a lot more about safety, gun safety, uh, you know, the, refute a lot of the gun myths that even some people uh to this day you know they're pro second amendment but they you know they have been told this by the left for so many times they, they had almost you know start to believe it so we want to engage with they those folks
0: Inspire themselves you know
1: uh, yeah i know right <laughs> um damn it my, my pen misspelled words again you know
0: <laughs> yeah
1: uh, but uh the um you know that's one of the the, the groups that we're going to want to engage with. We're going to we're going to work with a lot of college students as well. We're going to give them the opportunity to experience and uh, and and shoot you know uh, firearms for the first time uh, in a safe environment. I mean they're all going to get a very very sound education, um, and and we're going to teach them a lot about activism and how to get engaged, how to get involved into the process and and make make some change. And that at the end of the day is is the goals we want to educate people and we want to activate people and you know we want to be a resource. And and we also the other the mo- other most important thing is, you know, the, the too often in, you know, and I and this is just a, a very general observation of just nonprofit, you know, conservative nonprofit world. And uh really I think it's just anything. Um, you know, a lot of people compete unnecessarily yep. and work against each other. Um and that's really not going to be that's not part of our, you know, ethos, uh, at, uh, at, uh, American gun coalition, you know, we, we have the attitude of, you know, rising tides, lift all ships. Um, and, uh, but that's only if your boat's in the water. So, you know, if if folks, folks put their boat in the water and they want to work together, we don't care who gets credit at the end of the day. We don't, we just want to get the, we we just want to get the damn job, job done and, you know, uh, defend America and, uh, Get government the hell out of our lives. So uh, that, you know, but but make sure that people are also provided. Uh, more importantly, you know, people do need to be provided uh, opportunities for firearm safety and training and you know that is something that is, is very much important and shouldn't be taken for granted.
0: Yeah, absolutely. You know, you're saying about the uh, competition. It's really interesting because I do actually see it a lot on the right because, and I always say that, you know, fascism literally means like a band of sticks, right? The left are very good at staying sticking together. No matter whether or not they have nuanced difference, n- whether or not they have competition inside, they all band together. And I think because the right are so uh, in favor of critical thinking and independent, uh, you know, individuality, and uh, you know all these things that we champion, the, it kind of goes against us when we are, you know, mission driven and we need to stick together and support each other.
1: One hundred percent, absolutely.
0: Yeah. So. Well, this has been awesome. Do you have anything else that you want to add? Leave us with uh, closing comments, and obviously tell everybody where they can find you, where they can learn about American Gun Coalition. And yeah,
1: yeah so American Gun Coalition, we're going to be launching in the spring. So uh, we, we've been uh, doing a lot of legwork, building behind the scenes, putting down infrastructure. You know, all, all the fun things uh, that you need to do in order to launch a uh, a national, uh, you know, uh, nonprofit organization. And uh, and so, uh, look look for American Gun Coalition uh, in the spring. Um, you'll see you'll see a little bit about us. We have an Instagram page up right now and a Facebook page up. Uh, nothing nothing's out there, but we have a really nice logo. Um, and uh, so we'll we'll have more. Uh, there'll be more info uh, coming out about them in the coming uh, you know uh, weeks and month. Uh, so um, stay tuned there. But um, you know, as far as me, I you know my 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 camp, uh, campaign. <laughs> you know, different hat um, my, my my, my, website is uh, gnqconsultancy.com uh, so that is uh, where you can learn a little bit more about me and my experience and uh, what uh, what I'm up to
0: awesome well thank you so much for being here and doing this I'd love to do this again we'll follow up and see how things are going with the American Gun Coalition and you know as uh, 22 comes closer and
1: talk more I would love that. Okay, sounds great. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me on.